afternoon, Queen City. It's good to be back on a Monday. Let's get after it this week, shall we? 704-570-9610. Hit us up on the FanDuel text line. Same number for the phone lines if you want to chat the old-fashioned way. Those are officially open and on Twitter at Kyle Bailey Club. It's at Kyle Bailey, C-L-U-B. I'm actually pleasantly surprised. I was this morning with how much we have to talk about. I saw it starting to come together on Saturday, early yesterday, because sometimes this time of year, you know, you might get a great weekend in sports. You might get a ho-hum weekend in sports. We might come in here having to, you know, do a little work with some things to talk about, but not this weekend. We got more than enough. Uh, We got Charlotte FC with a massive turnout and an opening season win, the first of the Dean Smith era. We'll get to that in about 45 minutes. We also have to talk about the Hornets winning again last night Four of their last five, they win in Portland. That team, to be honest, looks like the Hornets pre-deadline. It was uh, rather depressing to watch at times, but if you're a Portland fan, I should say. But the Hornets win again, so we got that going on. We got Carolina winning ugly at JPJ for the first time in over a decade. Uh, We got Daniel Suarez holding off Ryan Blaney in a photo finish in Atlanta. Um, I mean, there's so much to get to, but let's uh, say good afternoon to smoke Ludwig and welcome him in for a conversation about Duke and Wake and the Deacons upsetting the Blue Devils and Steve Forbes going off and the court storming that is quite frankly overshadowing a massive win for Wake Forest. Smoke, um, how are you feeling? Better or worse than Kyle Filipowski today? What's going on with you? Well, better because I don't have a uh, messed up knee, so I guess better. But you know, okay, you know, Kyle Filipowski's, I, I think going to do all right in the grand scheme of things. Uh, yeah, so hit me up. I, this is what I want to know to start the show because I want to talk about this. And I want to get your feedback. I know you've talked about it a bit already today, certainly with Mac and Bone and Wes and Walker and uh, Colin and Jeff. But like, what, what is this? Is there a solution for court storming? Because quite frankly, this feels like a Groundhog Day evergreen conversation that we've had for a long time now. And that I think we're going to continue to have about court storming. I'm so tired of this conversation about court storming. Because if it truly was the existential threat that some people would have you believe, doesn't it seem like, you know, the authorities, the adults in charge of college athletics at the conference level, at the university level would have done something by now? If you really thought this was, you know, one of the worst things that can occur at a college sporting event to college athletes and those involved, wouldn't you have done something by now? And the something seems obvious. John Shire, after what happened at the Joel on Saturday, said, uh, how have we not banned this yet? Disappointed we lost. Uh, but look, for me, it's I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it's a dangerous thing. And I don't want that to take away from the game that Wake played. Because Wake played a big-time game. Salas was as good as could be today. And and hats off to them. But you look around the country, and Caitlin Clark, something happens. And now Flip, I don't know what his status is going to be. He sprains his ankle. And it's one thing, like when I played, at least it was 10 seconds in the court. You know, you would storm the court. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off, and they're they're running on the floor. And this has happened to us a bunch this year. Um, it's part of it. I don't want this to take away at all from Wake. They earned it. They deserve the win. Steve is a hell of a coach. I respect the heck out of him and his team. They're, they're really good. And if this is an example that they need to be in the tournament, what are we even talking about? 
So I'll answer any questions, but for me, that's hats off to them. We need to be better. We need to learn from this. Uh, but uh, that needs to stop. All right, there you go. John Shire says, I, I don't want this to overshadow what Wake Forest. Well, it has entirely. Like, it almost feels like some people have forgotten what happened, the reason that the court was stormed. Wake Forest won the game. Hunter Salas was fantastic. Uh, big plays were made. Cam Hildreth, you know, ripping one from, uh, from from Roach with a minute left to go that extended the lead to five that, you know, didn't quite end it, but it felt like it put the game out of arm's reach for Duke. I mean, Filipowski would hit a three there a couple of minutes, a couple of seconds later. But um, then we got down to the end of the game and 1.8 seconds left to go. Wake is on the free throw line shooting free throws to put the game away. And it seems at that point to a lot of people, my, myself included to an extent, why don't you just get your starters off the floor with 1.8 seconds left to go? I, I, honestly, I'm just asking the question. Th this is not me, by the way, shifting the blame to John Shire. I don't really care about that. I really don't. I don't think anybody is truly motivated to quote unquote solve this problem. I don't think anybody is. Because, A, it's a time-honored tradition in college athletics. It's great on TV. The TV networks love it. Um, in an era where organizations, both professional and collegiate, are concerned about fans, young fans, being and getting engaged, staying engaged as fans in sports. One of, the, one of the things that people most look forward to. I've stormed a court in the past, right? I'm not here to suggest that everybody has to do it. But, you know, a lot of the time it does happen without really any incident whatsoever. So, look, a lot happened. A lot's been said over the years on this subject. What's going to change? What's going to end it? Is anything going to end it? Who's actually motivated to end it? And is it as bad as some people would have you believe? Kyle Filipowski on Saturday said after the game that he f absolutely felt like it was intentional. I felt a bunch of hits on my body. I, you know, I just, this one was the worst of them. Um, you know, so it's just, like I said, it's just really ridiculous of, of, of how, you know, that situation's handled. Did you feel like any of it was, was on purpose or was it incidental? I mean, if, I've already heard that there's some videos of, of you know, getting punched in the back. And um, so I absolutely feel like it was personal. Um, um, you know, intentional for sure. You know, like I said, there's there's no reason where they see a big guy like me trying to work my way up the court and they, they can't just work around me. You know, there's no excuse for that. Um, so, yeah. So, so John Shire says, or excuse me, so Kyle Filipowski says he, he got punched multiple times. I don't know if that happened or not. I, someone, I, it did look like someone did lean in to try and get him. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's also one of those things like with Phil Pasky out there was a big thing on the back and bone show. It's like, oh, he tripped that guy. Well, I mean, all of this is in slow motion when you're looking at it. it you're breaking it down like it's the damn Zapruder film. I also think looking at it in full speed is the most I'd like damning of like just how chaotic this situation can be. Oh, it's, yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it doesn't like slow motion. Does, it's the one time where slow motion doesn't show you what it actually is. Slow motion is kind of honestly a misnomer, and it, it kind of is like looking under at drunk goggles when you put drunk goggles on. It blurs your vision. Right. Looking at that thing in full speed gives you the exact feeling of what is happening. Uh, look, I get it. I thought that he, where he actually got hit, it felt to me like he wouldn't have gotten hit if he didn't freak out and put his arms out. Yeah. But I'm not here to blame him either because I get it. It's a chaotic situation. But it felt like he was anticipating contact that might not have come from that particular individual. And, hey, it's a, it's a hectic situation. But, like, nobody else got hurt, did they? Filipowski's the only guy that got hurt. I don't think we've heard anything about that student that fell down. I, I do know there have been people that have gotten hurt in Stort Corming's uh, uh, Stort. 
court <laughs> stormings in the past. <laughs> I, I remember uh, it was a couple of years ago when NC State beat Duke uh, in PNC. There was a guy that uh, broke his leg or something yep. in the middle of the court. Yep. So th- there have been cases. The only thing that I think, and I hate to be this bleak, the only thing that will stop it is if, God help us, someone dies. Well, I, and, and, and people say, well, that's crazy. Well, I'm like, some of these guys fall down and get trampled. This is what happened with Black Friday a couple of times. Sure. So, Gordon just, I'm sorry, Gordon said fans don't belong on any playing surface. Do what you want in the stands, but, you know, we need to protect our athletes. Okay. Um, Again, without assigning blame to anybody, the overwhelming number of court storming incidences have ended with nobody hurt, nobody maimed, nobody in jail. All right, so let's not forget that. Like, I I don't think it's a stretch to say that, like, 99% of court stormings end without incident. You know, this this stinks. I get it. But is there nothing to be said? Let's start here. If, if we're going to start pointing fingers and, you know, asking who could have done better. Smoke, you're a Duke fan. You and I had this debate before the, the end of the, the show started, I should say. You got 1.8 seconds left. Teams are on the free throw line. Wake hits two free throws to extend the lead to four with 1.8 seconds left. You are not winning the game at that moment in time. Now, nine years ago, roughly, um, down in Tallahassee, Roy Williams, a couple of North Carolina boys put their big old noggins together, like Roy Williams and Leonard Hamilton. Now, that was a blowout. That was a 33-point blowout. I get it, right? But court, but but Roy and Leonard got together in 2015 and said, let's get these players off the court. Roy said, let me get my guys off the court. I think it was actually Leonard's idea, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they said it on the broadcast, which I have. Okay, so we'll get we'll play that when we come back. But, like, Roy and Leonard were like, hey, let's let's get the guys off the floor. You can see it's about to come. How does John – is it fair to say that John might have thought to get his guys off the floor, get his starters off the floor at that moment in time? Because when Roy and Leonard did it, all five of those walk-ons got out without incident. Hell, two weeks ago, Creighton upset UConn, or was that last week? That was six days ago. It was six days ago, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and, you know, Creighton's security, they're surrounding the court right before they know an inevitable court storming's coming. And then as the, the students start to come down, they form a line, a blockade, shoulder-to-shoulder, locked arms in front of UConn's bench so the guys could get out of there. I guess what I'm getting at here is I think this could have been mitigated better. Mm-hmm. And the only truly – the thing that's only going to truly stop this – is if at the conference and university levels, they decide to stop this because they can if they choose to. But if you'll notice, they haven't chosen to at any point over the last several years. Yeah. They, they could stop this. They're choosing not to. Yeah, that's a perfect description there. It's they, they can stop this, but they're just going to choose not to because guess what? They love it as well. And, I mean, you can say, oh, we'll find you. Last time I checked, LSU paid a $100,000 fine to the SEC last week for storming the court against Kentucky. The only way that the, the, the it's going to fully stop is if you do a drastic measure and say, we're going to take the win and you have to forfeit the game if you storm the court. Right. That's the only way it's going to stop. Uh, it does, Sam demands says they don't want to do anything about it because it brings attention to the sport. Nobody's talking about this game this morning unless that incident happens. More clicks, more money. Exactly. It's all we're talking about. Not like this, not like Smoke said, Hunter Salas finishing with, what, 29 points? I think 11 of 13 from the field. He was phenomenal. Carr was pretty damn good himself. Phenomenal. Cam Hildreth made big plays. Wake got the win that Wake needed to secure. They're going dancing. Like, outside of an absolutely dreadful finish to the season and getting bounced in their first NCAA or ACC tournament game, which I guess could put things in perspective. Um, they just got to do what Clemson has been doing since uh, beating UNC. Just right. basically stay afloat. Right. I mean, that, that game was the one for Wake Forest. That's the game that allows Steve 
Forbes to give Joe Lenardi double middle fingers. And instead, we're talking about court storming again. And a seven-footer who can see over everybody getting hurt when everybody else made it off the floor okay. So, I'm I, listen, I am sympathetic to Kyle Filipowski. I don't want to see these guys get hurt. But, like, we're acting like I, – I don't know what we're acting like. I, I don't understand some of the overreaction. to the, We have to protect our athletes. The coach could have helped. The universities could do something. TV loves this stuff. Yet y'all want me to scream at fans. Are some fans dumbasses? Yeah. But like 99% of these court stormings go off without a hitch. Yeah. Especially college kids with liquid, liquid courage. Sure. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not mad at the students. They they were put in a situation. John Shire, I think it's he's still showing signs where he's still a younger coach where he has to learn. And unfortunately, sometimes he has to learn the hard way. We have to remember, he's only in year two. This isn't Coach K in year 42. So we got to put that. The university also has to learn John Curry put out a statement saying, yeah, we we learned a hard way. You know, we not need to not make these mistakes anymore. Fortunately for uh, John Curry, this isn't the biggest uh, controversy he's been in. But well, That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, there's something else I want to talk about when we come back. To your point there a second ago, because there is an obvious discrepancy between who does this and why, how it happens, and why there's, there's no one who's super motivated to fix this issue. But I'll take your phone calls. I got one or two coming in. 704-570-9610. Give me the fix. How, how do you fix this problem of court storming? Should it be fixed? Can it be fixed? Would love your thoughts. we got some good stuff on the other side, too. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. This is Nick Richards of the Charlotte Hornets. You're listening to Kyle Billy on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. Everybody relax. It seems like, like, it seems like when something like this happens, we overreact. Because we like we like to have something to talk about, right? We like to we go right to it, I, and I get that. But let's just take a breath for a second and say, like, do we really want to take that away? I don't know, because we're already losing interest in the game. Like, let's just be honest with what we're dealing with. We're losing interest in the game. We really don't want to take something like that away. Nothing can break, nothing can break me How about that last statement? John Crispin, ESPN basketball analyst, radio host, TV personality, also a former player for the Penn State Nittany Lions and UCLA, joined Mac and Bone this morning. And what did he say right there? He said, we're making too big a deal out of this court storming thing, which I, 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 I agree with him. And then he says, let's be honest, we're losing interest in the game. So, you know, this is what we're talking. That's exactly what's happening here. Now, I, I'll, I want to talk about the game. We are, we, we've been talking about the game. You know, Jer we talked about Duke earlier, or sorry, Wake. Right, some of the big plays, the big performances. Hunter Solis, Cam Hildreth, and you know, on the other side, uh, Jared McCain, his emergence. If you're a Duke fan, that's something that's been a blast to watch. Kyle Filipowski, great player, but um, he said it right. You know, we're losing interest in the game, and so instead of actually talking about the game, we jump to, albeit I think of an important incident, something significant. But we're far more interested in this conversation, and that is court storming. Should we ban it? Um, you know how th those. Those ridiculous fans, they hurt Kyle Filipowski. Never mind the fact that, you know, the vast majority, overwhelming majority of court stormings go off without a hitch. Um, there's also the fact that I, I think that this could have been mitigated in, in separate places. I think John Shire could have gotten his guys off the floor with 1.8 left uh, and free throws being shot. They go up four, get them off the floor. Somebody earlier said, yeah, but there's a four-point play that's possible. No, you walk your guys off the floor. You let them shoot whatever shot they want to. Okay, and listen, let's also be honest about this. If these universities and conferences wanted this stopped, they'd stop it. They've threatened schools with fines and forfeiting games, but they haven't done it yet. Why? Because they don't want to. 
It's good on TV. It's good for the TV partners. People get excited about a good court storming. It looks beautiful leading Sports Center on a Saturday night, right? That's what it is. And, and let's also be honest. My guy Joe Ovius out in Raleigh texted me during the, the previous segment and said, hey, you want to fix it? Stop playing Duke. Oh, wait, you can't do that. I, that's the thing. Duke's got to be ready for this. Carolina's got to be ready for this. Kansas, Kentucky, they got to be ready for this, right? They have to because of who you are. Who are the teams? Who are the, the programs that usually storm the court? Duke? Smart, no, no. Oh. The programs that do it. Usually smaller programs, and that's not to insult Wake, right? But not with the same pedigree as Duke and Carolina and Kansas and Kentucky. This is the biggest one they've had. They were queuing it up on camera. They were yeah. showing the crowd about to pop. It was not a surprise to anybody. This has been the biggest one they've had arguably since maybe the Dino Gaudio days. Sure. I, I thought Creighton's security staff did a good job last week, you know, with cordoning off UConn's bench to help them get off the floor, right? So on and so forth. I just There are things that could be done here. It's just, hey, it's great content. We get to scream and yell about it, but I don't think anybody who could do something about it is at all motivated to do anything about it. Let's also play, by the way, um, after John Crispin there, uh, Jay, Jay Billis, love Jay, but, you know, Jay said partly what I said a second ago, there's not really any motivation to do much about this, but then Jay pivots to, well, let's just round them all up and throw them in jail. The truth is nothing's going to change now. We're going to talk about it. It's going to go away and nothing's going to change. And if they wanted to stop it, they could stop it tomorrow. Uh, the, the, the administrators will tell you that uh, security experts tell them that it's not it's not a good idea to try to stop the court storming that that could cause more problems than it would solve but you don't have to stop the court storming one time all you have to do is once they're on the court don't let them off just just say you're all detained and give them all citations or arrest them if you want to and then court stormings will stop the next day um, there's no accountability for this it, it, the fans feel like it's an entitlement and the universities like it, and the truth is we like it. We like it. The universities like it. The fans feel entitled to it, as Jay said there a second ago, where they're not going to do anything about it. They're, they're not. I, I can't imagine they're going to do a thing about this, not because of Kyle Filipowski, not even because of Caitlin Clark, not because of the kid in Memphis. Like just, They're not going to do anything about this. They're not. Last thing, Seth Greenberg said Wake Forest dropped the ball. The Wake Forest admission dropped the ball. You have to have a plan in place. If you're playing this game and you, 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 you're expecting to win, you've got to hire extra security. You've got to have a plan in place to make sure these players get off the court safely, whether it's create a blockade with your security so the students on both ends can't get on the court, but you've got to have something in place. We played Duke, college game day game, uh, my next last year. Fortunate enough to win. The day before, there was a full plan and a meeting where they had exactly what was going to happen. We're fortunate enough to win this game, X, Y, and Z. And you know what? Virginia Tech executed it absolutely perfectly. Wake Forest and their administration, shame on you, because you should have had something in place to make sure, most important thing, the security of the visiting team. I hear you. Now, Seth, let's be honest, though. The, the big difference between the Joel and Castle Coliseum in Blacksburg is that if you're a student, you got to jump over like a 10, you got to jump off like a 10 foot wall. You can break an ankle in Blacksburg jumping off the wall. Didn't you do that? I did it once. Yeah, <laughs> I was very drunk. I, I was a student, right? I did it once. But boy, it, you can uh, you can say your ABCs on the way down. It, it's a it, it's a drop to, to go from the student section to the floor in Castle Coliseum. So what so. you're saying is that might be the wall that Humpty Dumpty had a great fall on? That's the wall. Yeah, that's I, I thought I broke both my ankles. I think when I hit the ground. But listen, I, I just I'm gonna move on. I, I hate it for Kyle Filipowski. I'm sorry that it happened. I also think that. 
you know, in part, he kind of freaked out anticipating contact that I don't think was coming based on the video that I saw. And you know, John Shire could have helped things out. Wake Forest could have done a better job. But none of these universities and these networks, nobody wants to do anything about this. They just don't. 704-570-9610. Uh, let's go to Turner real quick on the phone lines. Turner, what's going on, brother? How are you? I've been wanting to talk about the ACC. Uh, uh, I, I, I watched the 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 Duke Lake Forest game, and I watched, of course, Carolina. Uh, I'm 77 years old. Uh, I saw the first tournament game in Raleigh, and back then, uh, the first time Carolina ever got a football bowl was in '64 against Air Force, and you know you wanted to win in football. But in football, we, we knew we were basketball. And, and it, they went along with it, and Clemson wanted to become a football school, and, and they did. But when you talk about it and see these other teams, we're still just as good as we ever were in the ACC. Mm-hmm. I would like to see some of these teams. Uh, I mean, they, they keep some of them up in the poll. Uh, they've kept Ole Miss up there a while. And Auburn, they're not as good as Wake Forest. They don't, they can't even hand the candle next to them. But when I grew up, w- one of my best Christmas presents was tickets to the Dixie Classic. Dixie Classic was in Raleigh during Christmas holidays. The big four, Wake Forest, NC State, Duke, and Carolina were there, and they had four good teams come in. Yeah. I got to see Tom Heinsohn play at Holy Cross. He, he came, and... I saw Oscar Robertson there. That that was one of my favorite uh, uh, presents every Christmas. But w- what became the best game? And, of course, Duke and Carolina, regardless uh, of how good they were or how bad they were in football, it w- the football games were almost like the basketball games. They were really I hear exciting. You. Yeah, they were. And, Tur- Turner, I got to jump in. I appreciate the phone call. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that very much. 704-570-9610. His point was the ACC is better than it gets credit for. We all agree. We're on board with that, Turner. I promise you. I I am 1,000% on board with that. 704-570-9610. Hit us up. We'd love to hear from you here this afternoon. Um, So I I also want to talk about this, though, because um, there's a lot going on this weekend in the world of sports. There's a lot going on this weekend in the world of sports. So we talked about – oh, I I didn't – Duke, Virginia, or Carolina, Virginia, Saturday. Let's just get that in real quick. Holy, oh. holy, I bleed, Batman. Horrendous basketball game. And not B- for Carolina. No, 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 big win for Carolina. You know, Cormac Ryan, I mean, he really, <laughs> he saved him on a day where R.J. Davis didn't have it. Armando Baycott dealt with some foul trouble, you know, so on and so forth. Just a horrific game to watch. I was dreading watching it all day because I mostly dread watching UVA basketball. Um, they score in the 40s routinely. That They're awful to watch. UVA fans, you know it. You know it. We all know it. We get it. It's the style. It is particularly acute this year. It's an eye bleed. Um, but, I mean, Carolina got a big win. They snapped a losing streak at JPJ. It's not that I don't want to talk about it, but I want to make sure we acknowledge it here in the opening hour of the show. Carolina got a big win. But holy crap, there are a thousand other things I would have rather watched than that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I told you, it was a massive uh, reality check going from the heavy. Like, the, the sad thing about Wake Forest Duke is the court storming's overshadowing what was a tremendous, amazing basketball game on Saturday in Winston-Salem. I also think it was a massive reality check going from Wake Duke to watching Virginia basketball play at home in their slow, just horrendous 
pace. And and it's worse than it has been in years because this team is not as talented, at least with some of the teams that they made deep, deep tournament runs with. They had some guys that could shoot the ball, whether it be Kyle Guy, you know, Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon, even Kihei Clark to some extent could shoot, even though he was not good from behind the arc. This team doesn't even have a shooter. Like, Beekman's the closest thing they have to a shooter. It's horrendous. But uh, unfortunately, that game also got uh, somewhat somewhat <laughs> overturned oh. because the ESPN <laughs> graphics department messed up in a historic rate. Yeah, it just it was a bad game. It was a bad experience. Carolina Carolina fans are just happy they got the dub and they got it to Charlottesville. Exactly. That's all they and care about. In one piece, too. In yeah, one piece. That's yeah. the most important thing. So 704-570-9610. Hornets got a win last night after losing against Golden State on Friday. I wanted to at least give this some run. Listen to what Steve Clifford said last night after beating the Portland Trailblazers. Uh-oh. We'll get to it. We got it. There we go. The way that the guys are doing the right things defensively, I mean, what has been the biggest change? Are they just playing together? Is it the new guys coming in, just a new sense of energy? I would say Cody being healthier. Uh, I'd say Grant Williams anchoring the defense, his talk, his organization, his physicality. And then, you know, this sounds funny, but I did tell them said that right now everybody's trying, you know, which is, you know, if they try hard and they have a feel for the game, you can be okay. Everybody's trying hard. <laughs> um, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, actually much at all, on what was here. But for a coach to say, the big thing is, everybody's trying. What an indictment on the last group of guys to be. Everybody's trying. Now, we had the pregame show last night here on the flagship, myself and Bone. Um, you know, we, we had a good time. We, we I stayed up to watch most of the game. Portland is awful. Portland gives the vibe of the pre-deadline Hornets when you watch them play. Now, they were dealing with some injuries last night, right? But still... So were the Hornets. So were the, so were the Hornets. Pre, <laughs> it's just everything about it was really, really bad for the, the Trailblazers. But the Hornets got a win last night. They've now won four or five of their last six. And it's fun again. And Spence asked me earlier to start the show. I, I get a few of these to start every show now. Hey, KB, you concerned? And when I saw that, I was like, oh, I know where he's going with this. But he kept going. Are you concerned that last night we passed Portland in the standings? meaning that we're no longer a bottom four team in the draft. I'm nervous. Nervous? Nervous. Spence, you're my guy. You're nervous. About what exactly? <laughs> this draft of all drafts. What are you? Uh, th exactly. This draft of all Why are you nervous? What is there to be nervous about? From a draft? I, I don't get that personally. Why are you nervous? Because I think what they did at the deadline was the most important thing they could have done, and that was, you know, reorganize around the young core, now, half that young core is not playing right now, LaMelo and Mark, but the other two guys are, Miller and Bridges. And on top of that, you know, Trey, Trey Mann, dude. <laughs> I, I know I'm becoming a Trey Mann stan. I get it. I tell you what, man. I tell you what, man. I love watching that kid play ball. He's a lot of fun. So, nervous? I, I would hope you're not nervous. Don't be nervous. Enjoy watching them look like a competent basketball team. So much so that Steve Clifford's coming out and saying, yeah, these guys are actually trying, man. It's a lot of fun. And they're small right now. Like, you know, Nick Richards started, but they're going to Grant Williams off the bench. And and Grant's doing his damnedest to defend opposing centers, opposing small forwards or power forwards. He's doing everything that he can. They're playing team basketball. They're getting some production off the bench. Even if Grant had a slow night last night, they got 11.7 assists off the bench from, uh, from Michich, 
right? I mean, it wasn't the best bench performance, but they won the game 93-80. It was like an early 90s, late 80s rock fight type of win. Uh, Nick Richards had 21 and 10. Miles Bridges had 18 and 10. 17 and, and 4 from Brandon Miller, who I, I think is, you're starting to see Brandon Miller hit a little bit of a rookie wall right now. And, and that's to be expected, right? You're starting to see Brandon hit a little bit of a, and all I mean by that is, the, there's a lack of efficiency over the last four or five games. I think his legs are tired a little bit. Let's be real about it. How many they, how many games have they played now? So uh, we're about at the 55 to 60 point. They played 57 games. Yeah. Significantly more than what he played in college, That's right? That's double what he played in college. Uh, almost, right? So you know, I, I'm a, Brandon Miller's hitting a little bit of a rookie wall right now, and he still poured in 17 points. Yeah. Even if it was 8 of 18 shooting, 1 of 6 from deep. They're getting by with what they've got. And, and so to say, are you, am I nervous about that? No, I don't care about it. I really don't go get a guy. If you're hiring, let's say they hire Trajan Langdon to be the next GM. I, I, I think you, if you look at the body of work of Trajan Langdon that he's been associated with down in new Orleans, I think he could find a guy at seventh. I, I think he could probably find a contributor or starter with the seventh overall pick. If that's what they end up with in this draft in particular, don't bet against the Alaskan assassin, baby. Yeah, man. I just, it's going to be all right, Spence. It's going to be all right. Let me sneak in Grant on the phone lines. Grant, what's going on, brother? How are you? Hey, Kyle. I want to, uh, plus one on what you're talking about for the Hornets right now. They, they're finally fun to watch. I called the other week and told you about that. But nonetheless, uh, Virginia basketball. Tony Bennett is a brilliant basketball mind, but he's playing 1974 high school basketball. Oh, it's bad. He, he, he He's running. If he would ever open his mind to modern basketball and get some guys in there that can play what we know now is basketball, uh, he, he would be fantastic, but he's still playing the same offense that he played when he was in high school for his dad. Uh, uh, Gary Huffman at Patterson School in the 70s had better high school, uh, had better uh, offensive basketball than this right now. It's terrible. Miss Potter, we were out eating dinner, getting ready to go see Big Head Todd and the Monsters, and she glanced up. No, we were eating sushi on Saturday. Never mind. She glanced over at TV, she said, and she said, uh, <laughs> this Virginia basketball is unwatchable. Is it the second quarter? Why are they not saying, no, honey, but there's a minute left in the game. She said, this is terrible. <laughs> well done, Grant. Appreciate the phone call, brother. Hope you're well. Um, to to – to that point, I think the opposite, though. Real Tar Heel hit me up like five minutes ago, and he was like, KB, you act like you were watching paint dry, but I enjoyed it. I was watching paint dry in the first half, but you're a Carolina fan, and you got the win, <laughs> and you're, you got the win. So I would hope you enjoyed it, because that's ultimately all that matters. But let's not pretend like that was one of the, uh, the more aesthetically pleasing basketball games that we'll watch this year. In fact, it was quite the opposite. Let's go to Smoke on the headlines. Who is smoke? Where is smoke? <laughs> Where there's smoke, there's fire. Let's go. What you got over there? All right. Well, this is not shocking, but pour one out for all the Panthers fans that had hope still. Uh, the Bengals have put the franchise tag on T. Higgins. Yep. Um, expected. Hashtag as expected. I, I'm not even disappointed because we all thought they'd do this because this is what they should do. Yeah. So. <laughs> You know, uh, on right. to the next one. All right, going to college football. We haven't mentioned a transfer portal in a while, but guess what? NC State just made another move. They got Auburn linebacker Cam Riley to commit. He has one year of eligibility left, and apparently he was originally looked like he was going to go to Florida State, but now the Wolfpack get a starting linebacker to potentially replace Peyton Wilson. 
All right. That's a big deal for state fans. What else you got? And finally, on Saturday, it was a pretty nice start for Charlotte FC. The first time they started a season with a win, beating New York City FC 1-0. And they had the best attendance doubled across the MLS. 62,291 people watched a win in person on Saturday. And it was pretty impressive. And speaking of, uh, Von Pullman, he covers Charlotte FC, part of the Mint City Collective. Uh, contributes to Top Ben, covers the team. Now, he came personally recommended to me from Jessica Sharman. Jessica Sharman's a good friend. Uh, she was hoping to jump on today, but her schedule won't permit. So, Von Pullman's going to join me next. He comes highly recommended from Jess. We'll see how it goes. We talk about Charlotte FC's big win on Saturday night next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Coming up Tuesday morning on the Mac and Bone Show, we'll talk about the Heels Miami game. And did someone get hurt when the Heels fans stormed the court? Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. This corner kick is brought to you by Daimler Trucks. They will donate $100 for charity for every corner kick Charles has this season. A shot toward the middle. A shot to score! The Charlotte FC Radio Network call Saturday night of the opener. He got the Daimler Trucks read in just in time on the corner kick. I didn't know about the promotion either, but that was that was pretty sweet. Adelson Milanda scored off a corner early in the second half to secure three points for Charlotte FC on the opening day of the 2024 MLS season. And we are talking about that here for a couple of minutes on a night, by the way, once again, uh, where Charlotte FC Nation, I, I hate that, I should, the fan base, the supporters, uh, showed why this was the right decision to put an MLS club in Uptown Charlotte. My goodness, 62,000 and some change, I believe, in attendance on Saturday night. It was, uh, I wasn't there, but everybody that I talked to said it was also shockingly cold inside that stadium, but they still got the dub. And uh, we are talking to a guy who knows this team, talks about this team in podcast form, covers them, contributing to Top Bend 90, and he comes personally recommended to me, to this show, by our good friend Jessica Sharman. Von Pullman is with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline to talk all about Saturday night's festivities. Von, we appreciate the time, brother. How are things? Fantastic. Thank you for having me on, Kyle. Really really excited uh, the season started and excited to uh, talk a little bit about the team. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. And uh, let, let's just start with the showing. Uh, you're, you're part of the Mint City Collective. I, I think the QC Royals as well. I mean, you're all in in every sense of the phrase. How about that crowd and the continued showcase of soccer culture here in Uptown Charlotte? I mean, it was electric. <laughs> I, I, I don't know that there's another word for it. The, the energy, the vibes, uh, everything from the tailgate on uh, just felt right. And uh, it, it was a real celebration, and I think uh, the, the people that have uh, fallen in love with the sport here in our community, uh, it, 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 we were waiting to get back into Bank of America and, and celebrate those goals and uh, cheer on the mighty black and blue. So, yeah, it was an incredible incredible game, incredible experience. Uh, it, it was it was fun to watch, that's for sure. Now, what were your own expectations for new manager Dean Smith coming in? What did you think you'd see when they hired him, and, and what did you think we saw Saturday night from him, tactically speaking? I mean, I expected for him to bring uh, a certain level of stability, uh, a certain level of professionalism, 
and uh, to, to set a new tone uh, for the team. The, the foundations that were set uh, for the club were making us, you know, a bubble team. And the expectations moving forward are that the team's going to take that next step and that Dean Smith is the right guy to uh, have his hands on the wheel and take us to that next level. Uh, and we saw in this game tactically where we played much more compact than we've seen in past seasons. Offensively, uh, we were very difficult to break down. And uh, we, we were able to control the game without the ball. We were able to allow NYCFC to have possession. And even so, they weren't very threatening. And when we were able to get the ball, we were able to start quick transitions and go direct towards goal and uh, be more threatening to the other team. It just looked and felt different uh, than we've seen. And, uh, you know, you were talking about the Hornets a few minutes ago and how they uh, it's exciting to get behind a competent basketball team. Uh, Charlotte FC, it looks like we've got a competent soccer team. Well, I'm glad you said that because uh, the, the opening, uh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes of the second half in particular, I thought they were sharp. Um, much more so maybe than a, a team in its first match of the season. And I think that speaks to what you were saying there a second ago. Th there were stretches of soccer in this match where they looked to be in midseason form almost. Do you, do you credit that to Dean Smith more than anybody or the roster? How would you break that down? It's the whole organization. Um, I, I think that the team is coming in with guys that are acclimated to the squad. Uh, and, and that's because we had signings that happened in the summer for starters like uh, Brett Siagra and those guys, uh, they've already been acclimated and they got a full preseason with the club. Enzo Capetti had a full preseason with the club. And uh, I, I think that the team was able to come in and even the other players that were supplementing the roster that are coming up from Crown Legacy and, and the Academy, we have a developed pipeline now that's taken time to build out. And we're starting to see the fruits of that labor. So, Dean Smith, no, absolute credit to him, but I think it goes beyond that uh, to, to the scouts, to the uh, front office. Uh, they have a plan, and they're building to it. We got Vaughn Pullman with us here on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. He covers Charlotte FC. Got a great podcast. Hey, Vaughn, where can they listen to you real quick, by the way, if they want to listen to your thoughts and musings on Charlotte FC? Uh, I, I consider myself a nomadic soccer podcaster. I don't have my own podcast currently. I, I used to podcast about the entire league. Uh, for several years uh, before Charlotte FC was around. Uh, but I, I regularly show up on the uh, Mint City Soccer Show, uh, and, and I've also made some appearances on Charlotte FC Fan TV and uh, Top Bin 90s uh, uh, podcast as well. Very cool. All right, who, who in your opinion, we got a long way to go here, one match in, but who has been, who was, do you think, the most significant addition to this roster this offseason? Somebody who wasn't here but is here now. Ooh, uh, this offseason, I, I think right now, actually, it's a, a guy named Junior Urso who was just signed. Uh, he brings a certain level of um, MLS experience and a different sort of demeanor and a different flavor uh, to our midfield. And even when he's not going to be on the field, I think he's going to be setting the tone in training sessions and, uh, and being another guy that ups the level of uh, the entire team and the players around him. So junior or so, I think is going to be able to give some of that on-field and off-field leadership. All right. No, I, I like that. A couple quick things we'll let you go. So uh, real quick preview from you uh, coming up this weekend, Vancouver and Charlotte. Let's just go ahead and look ahead. What, what are uh, what are fans looking for? What should they be looking for in this match coming up on Saturday? 
Uh, it's Vancouver's uh, first game of the year. They were just competing in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Uh, so they're, it's going to be their home opener, their season opener. So they're going to have that same level of uh, energy coming into it. Uh, but I think we match up well against them. And for Charlotte FC, it's going to be us needing to uh, establish our uh, road medal. We're, we're going to be getting uh, put to the task here uh, with three games on the road. Uh, but I think right now uh, the team has a good defensive structure. Uh, you, you know, we had the clean sheet here this week. But in preseason, we had four prior to that. So uh, as, as Captain Ashley Westwood uh, said, it's five games on the trot uh, without giving up a goal. So uh, hopefully we can see some of that form continue uh, on our road trip to uh, first Vancouver and then Toronto and Nashville. Love it. Now, last thing, I, I just got a text from one of my my beloved listeners, Cam Tweets Things, who, who uh, texts in to say, glad I haven't missed the historical first time ever Charlotte FC talk on the Kyle Bailey show, which is not true. It's not even close to true. All right, you laugh back there. It's not. I talk to Willie P every week. Jess comes on the show, um, but I will be honest. Like I, I've taken some heat from you know your community in the past for not necessarily being an MLS guy, but I am more than happy to support the home team. In fact, I, I want them to win every match. So you know you've been around this game for a long time. I would like for you to share your perspective with my audience on where you think the MLS sits in the hierarchy of global soccer leagues, how far it's come, what's currently happening. Give me your view of the league right now and its place in the global soccer community. In the global soccer community, it's on the bubble of, of being in the 10th seed. Okay. <laughs> it, it's, it, it's improving. It's coming along. Uh, the star quality is, has definitely gone up uh, with guys like Messi and, uh, you know, even getting a Neil Forsberg. And uh, it, it, it's a very entertaining league for um, abnormal reasons. It's not going to have all of the world stars in it, uh, but the development, the players that are going to be sold on, and you get to see where they go to big clubs, um, the, the academies where we're seeing younger and younger players that are able to first fly their trade in MLS and then go overseas, and you get to follow their entire careers. Um, there, there is a special thought to MLS, uh, and it's something that, I think it goes beyond just, you know, oh, it's the best because of its quality. The, the quality is improving. It, it is good soccer. Um, but I think on the global stage, uh, it's getting more and more respect. Love it. Vaughn Pullman, I enjoyed this, brother. We'll do it again soon. Thank you for the time. Appreciate it. Thank you. And, and I, and I got to tell you, you're talking about all those fans that are clamoring for more uh, Charlotte FC talk on your show. Uh, I, I think you may have a storm in the forecast around uh, 515. So hope you brought your umbrella. What? what? What's happening? You'll just have to see. Hope you got your umbrella. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, buddy. Looking forward to it. I, I don't know what that means. That's very ominous. Bring my, my bring my umbrella, huh? Oh no! Did I drop him smoke? I think I might have dropped. Oh, you got you beat me to it, huh? Did I throw him off the line? I'm sorry. No, no, no. I. I... What's happening at 5:15? Did that not sound dark and ominous to you? What's happening here? What are you talking about? Is, is there a planned attack on this show? Is that? Did, is there a court storming on this show? Is Von Pullman an agent of chaos? <laughs> now you're going to feel like what Cal Phil Paskey felt like on Saturday, buddy. Who else read that? It's like, you know, Vaughn was like a, it's like a thinly veiled, oh, you better wait till 5.15. Now, now I'm terrified. Now, here's the question. 5.15 Eastern Standard Time or Central? <laughs> I don't know, bro. I'm not sure. 5.15, I guess an hour and 20 from twenty minutes from now, we'll find out. 704-570-9610. Uh, Chris Harmon said, love this segment. KB, love the soccer talk. Happy to do it. I, I, if you think I'm going to ignore what happened Saturday night, you're insane. You're insane. Um, some people are saying that it's the Rihanna promo at 5.15. Am I unaware of something? What? 
What about Rihanna? I, I don't know. She coming to Charlotte? Two back-to-back people said Rihanna. Oh, because uh, her hit song was Umbrella. That was one of her bigs. Uh, it was SOS. Yeah, I'm so shook then, over here I didn't get the yeah. reference. I mean, she's had so many hits, though. 704 number just said best walk-off in your show's history. Vaughn Pullman might have just engineered the best walk-off in the history of this show. It's How about that? There. Yeah. Well done, Vaughn. Hour number two next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.